Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. Hey guys, uh, first of all, this is episode 100 of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. So I want to personally thank every single one of you that listens and has listened. Maybe you just started, maybe you started from episode one and have been with us all the way through. I want to give you a big virtual high five, hug, pat on the back, man squeeze, whatever it is that you're willing to take. Thank you so much. This is just 100. I know there's going to be a date when there's 500 and 1,000, and I can't be more excited. Just continue on with this work. If you haven't shared this with other people, I'm asking you right now, just share the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast with others because something in one of these episodes from the amazing men that I interview will hit with somebody that will make a big difference. And the only way we can do that is by sharing the podcast, subscribing, rating it, all those things make a difference in the world. So I'm I'm encouraged by you for listening. Thank you so much. And I honestly couldn't be more excited about episode 100. It's with Kurt Storing. Kurt is a phenomenal man. He's only 33 years old, yet he has the wisdom of someone much older. He uh, literally quit his job at the age of 23 with no business idea. He uh, took that used his uh, intuition and his intelligence and his skill and built, bought, and sold seven-figure websites and e-commerce brands. Like, this guy just went and did it. But not work-related, but more important, more relevant, is his greatest accomplishment is he became a calm, confident leader and a father because he was a terrible and miserable angry young dad. These stories that he's going to tell will resonate with many of you. There's so many takeaways in this episode about how to live a better life for your kids, for your wife, and for your community. Kurt is passing this along with some really great things. I'd, I'd encourage you right out of the gates to check out dad.work and all of the other links that are going to be in the show notes. But first, just listen to this listen to his story, listen to his heart. This is a guy you need to be watching and I would start watching now. So enjoy this episode and thanks again for sticking with us and being one of the, uh, one of those that has brought us to a hundred episodes and here's to a thousand more. Hey Kurt, how's it going today? Good man. How are you? I am good. I am excited for this because I've been listening to your podcast and um, I can't wait for you to share your story. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of men. So for me, that's a really good sign. Mm, yeah. And I, uh, you know, I know this is going to be great because we just talked on my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and uh, so I know a little bit about your story and I know some of the things that I'm going to talk about uh, resonate and some of the things I'm doing. I'm going to use a little bit of a, uh, maybe a fitness metaphor here and there. Cause I know, uh, that's, that's in, up your alley. So absolutely looking forward to diving in. Absolutely. Are you, so what is your background before we get into like your story? What, what's your career background? Cause you do refer to that quite a bit. 
Yeah, my uh, my career background is that I haven't had a job since I was 23. I am uh, almost 33 now, and uh, I worked in politics actually. Like I, I did a whole bunch of jobs in university uh, as a, like a landscape construction guy, and I worked in politics. And that was like, I don't know, man. It seems like everything is falling around you all the time because there is oh so gosh. much fear and distrust and divisiveness in politics. And when we became, when my wife became pregnant, we moved a thousand kilometers out to the West Coast to be closer to family. And I just went like, I don't want to get another job, which of course, you know, all responsible new fathers do. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to Google how to make money online. Like the the thing that most people do when they do that is they get sucked into rabbit holes. They uh, they get scammed and they lose a bunch of money. Well for some reason and i have no idea why i'll always be forever grateful to to pat flynn of smart passive income i looked on his website followed his guidelines and ended up making websites that just made money by ranking on google and uh you know getting affiliate commissions advertising built products and that just started this whole cycle for me of SEO, affiliate marketing, e-commerce. I built, bought, sold websites, uh, brands that sold on Amazon, beard companies, cat food, cat products, like a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And uh, and that leads me to today where I still have a portfolio of websites, but I am pivoting to a more heart-centered uh, serving community, which is dad work. Wow. Wow. I didn't even know I was opening up this world into how it led into dad work, which I think is really cool. Um, because with that skill, the fact that you have been working for yourself for 10 years may, will probably make a lot of men go, that jerk. Like he did it, but it's not <laughs> like magic. You just, you just did the things that needed to be done. There's a lot of just do the work there. Yes. <laughs> the other thing that you know about me and, and one of the observations I've made is that when we first have our kids, our first kid, uh, some stupid switch gets flipped in our head. And I think in the long run, it's a good switch. But I think a lot of times at first and cause a lot of turmoil and problems. And that is, I'm going to do something different. I'm going <laughs> to create my own business. I'm going to create yeah. my own way. I'm going to go for a big promotion and change businesses. What the heck is wrong with us? <laughs> Well, you know what? If I am thinking about this in sort of a a, a macro a, a sort of way, I go like, okay, something big is happening in your life. Why not batch change? And <laughs> I have done that many, many times, and it's always the worst and hardest thing to do. And it's always been the greatest uh, catalyst for growth. So for me, I was just like, I want to be there for my kids. And we've always wanted to have kids. I had them like really young, I think 23. And I was like, yeah, I just want to be there because my dad always had this dream of owning his own business. He finally did it after, you know, 30, 40 years in the, the car industry, started his own dealership. And it's like, wow, he got there. So this has been in the back of my mind. And it's like, I could stay where I was, stay in my job, have a kid, let everything just like smooth over. But there was something in me that was like, this is going to change my life having a kid. What else can I do? So like I said, we moved, we started this business. I had no plan. I just like completely uprooted and changed my life. And it's not the only time I've done that. 
like we, maybe we'll get into this later. I'm not sure what we moved to Thailand for two years. Like we traveled the world for two years and that uprooted a whole bunch of stuff, but it led to some of the greatest growth and like long-term success that I've ever experienced. And it was because I was willing to take a risk knowing that my life was already going to change. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe we just like batch risk because like if some of the things we do work out, well, great. We deal with it all at once. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of men resonate with this batching risk. I, that's a really great way to like put it in view for me. I think there's a lot of men who slip into the, this is my career. This is how I'm going to provide for my family. And I like, I, like our stories are so based on this drive to create our own thing and do our own thing, but it's doesn't, I don't want anybody to tune out because even if you've been like a, a career X, you've done the, you've stayed in the box. It's exactly what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to work on your pension. You're supposed to put money away. You're supposed to you're supposed to invest this way and do that. And you live life inside the lines. I can guarantee you, if you really looked at your life, there's a lot of parallels here and things you can learn. So 23, your first kid, what was your experience growing up? Did you have a great father role model? Were you uh, prepared for this very early take on of a big, big project? <laughs> Not remotely prepared not remotely prepared. So like my dad was awesome in many ways and I loved him very much. Um, he was always physically there for us, uh, but he chose to leave my mother and myself and my sister when I was three years old, just after my sister was born, uh, had an affair, moved in with this other woman and uh, you know had multiple relationships going forward. It was always chasing the next thing, the bigger house, the hotter wife, the better car, the better job. And so that was very much where he was at. And I never really felt as though he was bringing me along and intentionally raising me to be a man. Like he was amazing at most things. Like he was great. He built cars. He was a mechanic for a long time. He put together a 67 Pontiac Parisian two plus two convertible, like dropped a good engine in there and just like built it from the ground up by himself. He would do construction projects at home and literally never did he actively teach me any of that? And my assumption is he had a very hard childhood and he like left home when he was 15. So like he, he drove across the States to get up to Canada from Florida on a motorcycle at like 15 or 16 in the seventies, wow. because like shit was just so bad for him. So like, I always thought maybe he was guarding me against, you know, the hardships of what he went through and he's dead now. So I can't ask him that unfortunately. So like, I saw what it looked like for a dad to show up physically, but I wasn't sure how to treat a woman because he didn't really embody that. He was always looking for the next one. I didn't really learn like what it looked like to be intentional, which I've heard your story. Uh, you know, your dad was very intentional about that, but mine sort of just drifted. And I know we've chatted about drift before as well. So like, I had no idea. The, the most, the strongest man in my life growing up, and even to this day is my grandfather. And I only saw him as, as not a father figure, but like this, this loving, accepting man. And so I think when I became a father, I was still such a child in many ways mm. that I couldn't, I couldn't resonate with him as a man. So if I tried to look at like, who was a good dad, I'd go like, my dad was pretty good when I was like a, a kid kind of, cause he played with us, but I haven't really connected to him in years. My grandfather like was really there for me, but he's not my dad. So I don't know what to do now. And that just led to misery. 
like just abject misery and failure on my part as a father. I had no idea what to do. Like we talked about before, I was running my business like 14 hours a day. My wife had just made a bunch of changes. She was pregnant. She had a kid. She moved it with me a thousand kilometers away, no family or friends. And we were just in like this pit, just this pit of misery. And for me, it came out as anger. Mm. So that's, uh, yeah, I had no idea what to do and I, I didn't have any direction. So yeah, this was a complete surprise for me. Yeah. Anger is a very, very common thread for men. There's a lot of, a lot of the emotions that come out through anger. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in this, but it's definitely like misguided, mis misdirected, ununderstood emotion and what to do. So when you say anger, were you angry at your kid, your wife, all of the above? How did that, uh, how did that manifest? What did that look like? Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats, but we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for per personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. Uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy, but go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business, send it to your boss, send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. Yeah, literally everyone, everyone close to me. Well, that was the thing too. Like I was the nicest guy to everyone else except those close to me. And I believe the reason that I was like that is because of the way I talked to myself. So I drove myself like a slave driver. Like I was ruthless. I, the self-talk, like if I had said the words out loud to someone else that I said to myself, they would have beaten the crap out of me. You know, like it was just brutal. Like you are an idiot. You are a failure. You're worthless. If you don't get this done, there's no reason to have you even living. And I would kind of bring that to my wife and kids. Like I like to say, man, like the, the best way to say it is that I was just mean. 
like angry, yes, but mean, like purposefully acting out because I hurt so bad. So when my like one-year-old would come into my office, I'd freak out, like I'm working now and I'd yell and I would get overwhelming. And same to my wife, like, hey, why did you let him come in here? Don't you know I'm working? And I would blame. I just couldn't deal with taking responsibility for everything because I felt so overwhelmed that it was actually all my fault. And so I think for me, that's where a lot of the anger came from. And nowadays, looking back, I like to see anger as kind of like an alarm clock or a flashing light that draws my attention to a problem. And this is such a huge problem. Like, if, I think at least half the guys who join our Facebook group, uh, I ask them, like, what's the one big thing you want to get out of joining this group? And probably half say anger, patience, temper. It's one of those things. So you're absolutely right. This impacts a ton of men. And I just like to see it now as like not a bad thing. Anger itself is just an emotion. We're humans. We all have emotions. None of them are good or bad. The only thing that matters is how we express them and what we think about ourselves when we have them. So if I could then learn, and this was a very long road, and part of my work now is like, let's get men there before I did because ooh, I really suffered. Uh, but part of what I do now is just go like, okay, what need do I have that's not being met that is causing me to feel anger? Often it's a boundary. Like what boundary have I not set? And sometimes it's simply, you know, childhood wounds, childhood trauma. I don't feel worthy. I feel abandoned and everything else in my life sucks because of that, because it's not something I've dealt with. And so for me, that was a huge source of anger, just uh, resentment and anger at my childhood, not really knowing that, but feeling it deeply. So it took me a long time to get past that and use anger as like an alarm clock to wake me up to my needs, which is something they talk about in the book, uh, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Mm, that's a good one. Wow. I mean, there's a little bit to unpack here. Um, <laughs> first of all, you know, a, a saying came to mind when you were talking and that's hurt people hurt people. Yes. So you said, you know, anger, I was hurting because you were beating yourself up. And I think um, the, the, the ominous question, this big, you know, question mark in the sky for men is like, why am I angry? And then they get angry that they're angry and then they beat themselves up for their angry when really what you have to do is take and peel back the layers of that onion and really go deep. Number one, go deep into your history, your past. Where is this rooting from? And number two, uh, the wherewithal, this is the problem. This is really interesting because I was listening to one of your podcasts recently and you took, talked about stopping and having a, 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 you know, you have a way of like, uh, I'm putting my words into this. So you may not even relate to what I'm saying, but stopping, looking at it and asking the question, what is it that's making me do this? So for me, I have bouts of fear fear that I'll stop making money, fear that I won't be able to provide my kids their college education if they want it, fear, these stupid fears. Now, if I were to sit down and logically, one thing I love to do is write that fear down, boom, and then go to the worst case scenarios. And always, unless it's death, the worst case scenarios are like, oh, that's fixable. It's no big deal. So, but but the, the thing I realized from your story, and maybe we get to this later, is the fact that you have found a way to interrupt that pattern, to, to stop and, and uh, get a little introspective. And I think that's a tool that so many men don't have, and it takes a lot of work. 
it takes a lot of work, but you have part of your story is like you do start to take control of this anger. So let's get, let's get to that point. Yeah. And so let's say about two and a half years into fatherhood, I was continuing to run my business. It was getting a little bit bigger. I had another child because I thought like, you know, what do you do? Well, you just have more kids. That's, that's the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can only have 50% attention on each kid and, you know, so surely I won't be as bad this time. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I was that bad <laughs> again and again and again and again. And it just got to the point it's like something's got to give and you know i have mac truck moments which i talked about with uh, dominic cortucci on my podcast like men don't change until they get hit by a mac truck and oh, my cool. whole goal is like i want to get guys before they get there and like maybe it only takes a two by four maybe they just stub their toe let's change before that but I was listening to a podcast or a YouTube video or something from this entrepreneur that I respected. And he just said in passing, like, oh, I've really been enjoying meditating. Like it's making me more productive. And me, like kind of having these issues on the side going like, I'm a terrible dad, whatever, whatever. I was like, oh, I can get better at business if I meditated. Yes. Make more money, make more money, make more money. And I was like, I'm going to do this. So I downloaded the Headspace app and I meditated. And it felt kind of good. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this because, you know, as I'm sure you can relate to productivity is like extremely important for me. Right. And I meditate for about a week or 10 days, I think it was. And I go out of my office right before lunch and my oldest son does something. He screams at me or like throws a toy, something that like I would just instantly snap at. And I didn't. And I just found this like space and it's often, I think, attributed to Viktor Frankl, or maybe I'm getting that wrong, but like there's between a stimulus and a response, there exists a space. And in that space, you can choose how to react. And so this is so important for many reasons. One, because it stops you from you know reacting negatively and screaming, but also because you can feel the feeling and choose how to react. A lot of guys are just like repress, repress, repress. I don't want to feel this. I'll just like be a rock. That's totally unhealthy. It gets stored in your body, gets stored in your nervous system, and like it, it'll come out eventually. But what this does is this understanding through mindfulness, meditation, and awareness, you both feel the really legitimate feeling and you don't have to act like a jerk on the other side of it. And so for me, it was meditation, the very first thing that worked. And when I stopped, when I didn't yell at my kid, I went full in. It's like, wow, I didn't even know it was possible to not scream at him. I just thought like, that's me, that's fatherhood. So it started with meditation, went into studying like consciousness and mindfulness and journaling and eventually breath work and eventually men's groups and like all of these things, even, you know, plant medicines to some degree. And it all helped this basic principle of being aware. And I think like that when I make friends, when I look at guys who I want to spend more time with, the number one quality that I see that attracts me is self-awareness and authenticity. And to be self-aware, you need to stop and feel and notice. So like you were saying about like putting a pause, putting the, the brakes on something to really ask yourself, what could happen if I'm fearful? Why am I angry? Journaling about that and getting to the very root cause. If you don't sit and pay attention, and that's all meditation is. It's not like doing anything. It's removing doing stuff. So you just notice what's going on. 
And in that, even in your everyday life, when you've been meditating long enough, you can notice, how does my body feel? Oh, I can feel a little bit of anger coming up way before it gets so overwhelming that I flip out. So I can, you know, tamp that down. I can express it healthily. And then I can just start to notice the underlying whispers of why I feel all these sorts of ways. So for me, every dad that goes through our courses or our programs, we always start with developing a mindfulness habit, whether it's meditation, whether it's walking, whether it's breathing or journaling, something to get you more closely aware of what's going on in your world internally and externally. Yeah. Yeah. Mindfulness habits. I think, I think I would, I would assume many guys hear meditation and it's kind of wimpy. It's tied with like, you know, and, and they stop and really the, the you got to get past that because there's more than one way to meditate and it doesn't have to be 20 minutes of, you know, incantations or whatever you, is that what you call it? The chance. It doesn't yeah. have to be that. There's, <laughs> I mean, and breath work is a really easy breath work. Sounds manly. I do the Wim Hof. Yeah. yeah. Like start there. It's a great place <laughs> to start. Um, and there's apps that help you through this, which is, a, which is a phenomenal thing. And you do, you do hear a lot of people say it. What, what's the limitation of this work that you are doing? Or is there a limitation? Man, I, the, the limitation that comes to me is simply that you can't do everything alone. Is that where you're getting at? Like, yeah. what's the limitation of mindfulness? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, this is something that I talk about all the time, and like, this is what I'm what I'm building as my community of men. And I did just to fast forward, and you can come back to any of this if it's interesting. But to fast forward, I took the next like six, seven years to get to where I am today, and. Oh man, it's 180 degrees different. I am calm. I'm confident. I'm a leader. I have really, truly sat with my wounds and moved through them and recognize that more will come up eventually and they'll keep having to do the work. But I'm able to lead. I feel great most days. I'm content in life. And that's a beautiful thing. Along the way, I did everything by myself. I was like the prototypical lone wolf. If I needed to rely on anyone, I was weak. If I asked for help, people were going to think I wasn't good enough. If I didn't show up as perfect, people would know that, you know, just this laundry list of like bad things I thought they would assume about me. And so I did it all alone. And I am amazing at doing inner work. Like that's just one of my skills. Apparently, I had no idea why. I'm so good at it. And I say that. Because even as being as good as I am at it, I could only get so far alone. I got, you know, I, I what I like to say is I think about my journey like a pendulum. On the one end, I was stuck at anger and misery and darkness. And through inner work, the pendulum swung to the center. And I like to call that place neutral. So I wasn't angry all the time, but I couldn't really feel joy. I didn't feel any love. Like I searched for love for so long and couldn't feel it, I thought. And so what doing the work with other people and especially other men did was it moved that pendulum all the way to the other side, which is love, fulfillment, joy, excitement, like just this zest for life, if you will. And that was only possible through continuing to do my own personal work, but then to get a group of men around me. Yeah. So this is so incredibly important. You know, I've been very passionate about having other men in your world and, and even just bringing one into my world that stretched me, cared about me, asked me questions, not to chat, not to make me feel shameful, 
but to challenge me out of love was an absolute massive change. It, it changed the trajectory. When did you first tap into groups and realize, okay, I'm not at a place where I can go any further by myself? You know, the, um, the funny thing about this was the first time this happened was with my grandfather. Mm. And so it doesn't even need to be a huge group. It doesn't need to be anyone outside of your existing circle. It simply takes a willingness to be vulnerable and to go deeper. And yes, you need to trust that the other man or the other men are going to be there for you and to support you and challenge you out of love, as you mentioned. But I have regular meetings with my granddad. We have met, you know, bi-weekly for a cigar and a glass of wine over lunch. And we just talk. And one of these days I was just explaining to him the pain I was in and I was talking and talking and talking. And this is a, an important point to note for some guys talking is the best way to bring up what otherwise wouldn't be brought up because we have stories that we tell ourselves. And only when we speak those stories out loud, can we get to the truth. And so I was telling him my story and I was, oh, I'm so upset at my mom for doing this. And my wish my dad did this. I was just blaming, I was in victim mode and what came out of me was, I feel like a three-year-old boy who just wants his mom and his dad to be there for him. And then I broke down. I just started crying. It's like, where did that come from? And he just held me. He was there. He didn't say a word. He put his hand on me and he just held space. And that was like the first time I had ever witnessed a man holding such space. And so he gave me a great gift that day. And from that moment on that sparked in me this desire to sort of extend to other men. I had been doing breath work with a man locally. He was facilitating some breath work journeys, which are very powerful. Um, and I actually do that myself now because it's been so impactful in my life. And he said, hey, you know, this is um, a great place to get in community. Have you thought about, you know, joining a men's group? It's like, I don't even know what a men's group is. Like, that sounds weird, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, is it a it you know, support it group for, for addiction? Is it like, do you sing Kumbaya? Like, I'm not into that. Okay. Like I'm, I'm pretty spiritual. I'm pretty open, but I'm not into like Kumbaya stuff. Let's get some work done here. And he's like, no, no, no. It's, it's full of men. It's, you know, full blown, blown masculinity, but it's like really loving and supportive. And he said, just come to an open house. So I was like, okay, okay. I come to this open house. And at this point, like I had been doing about, I don't know, three, four years hardcore inner work at this point and never really getting better. Like mm -hmm. I had got, like I said, to neutral, but I was still like really longing to get fixed so that I could show up for my wife and kids and generally just stop hating life so much. So I go to this open house and I hear all these other men open up about their stories. And here's who I was before men's group. Here's who I am now. Why is this so important? Then they had us talk to the man beside us. And I was just like, I couldn't stop talking because he was just listening and he didn't try and fix me. It was like, oh, this is amazing. So I signed up that day. I went to my first men's group meeting about two and a half years ago now. And it has just been like the single greatest thing I've done. It really, really pushed me over that hurdle of neutral to great. And so what we do is you just sit in a circle with other men. And honestly, we do processes, we do breathing techniques, we like go deep. But even if we simply sat in circle and said nothing and create and made eye contact, I'd probably get 50 to 70% of the value. Just being in the energy of other men is something so foreign to us these days that it is healing simply by itself. Yeah. You just, you just brought up a few things that I have to talk about. Number one, you you dispelled a kind of a myth or a view uh, through your own story that I believe 100% in as well is that men want to be heard. 
You know, I've, I heard someone say that the best, best conversation you ever had with someone is the one where you talked the whole time. And, you know, you think back to when you've had a really, really good conversation. You're like, man, I got to talk a lot because we have this facade we push, put up. And when we let that down and actually just get to talk and listen and be heard, it is so cathartic. It's so revealing to what's really going on in ourselves. And I want to relate that. I want to use this as a teaching moment as like always. Your wife is the same way. She just is more open to doing it. And one of the things I talk about a lot, and I want to talk to you about, you know, working with your wife and the, the process you guys went through. But the, uh, I have had to teach myself when my wife comes to me stressed or has a problem, I have learned to stop and say, before we get too deep, are you looking for a solution or are you just looking for an ear? Yes. Guess what she always says. <laughs> and guess what I always want to do is the solution. But I think us men, that is not a woman trait. I think it's a human trait. We want to be heard. Is there time for tactical? Uh, yes, we need to get in and figure out how to fix things. But half of the time, most of the time, we have to understand how we're feeling about something before we can get in and fix it. And that's just being heard. So I wanted to talk about that. Um, yeah, let me just jump in here with a quote that uh, I heard from a podcast guest named David Stegman. He uh, he started this other group for dads called the Rad Dad Collective, and I had him on my podcast. And one of the things he said, which like has just literally been in my mind for the weeks since I've talked to him, he said, men all crave a deeper, closer connection, but there's never an invitation to go there. And that sort of allows me who heard it and any other man who that sort of resonates with to make the invitation. So he's like, even if you just go out with some friends or some other like dads to the park, instead of just, you know, talking about sports, start off intentionally and be like, Hey guys, before we meet here, is there anything you want to go into? Like, how's your life going? Just ask the questions and invite that depth. Because as you said, and as I'm seeing more and more, like, yeah, all guys want and need this, whether or not they have conditioning around it. Because even though you're hearing this, you might be like, well, yeah, but I'm different. And I'm just going to suggest that like, that's probably conditioning and it makes perfect sense. Like, of, of course, we would think that in a society that goes like, if you're not independent, if you're not a lone wolf, you're a loser, you're a woman, whatever. So there's empathy there on my behalf, for sure. Like, it, it makes perfect sense. And if you are a human, again, I'll say this again, if you're a human, you got emotions and you got to talk about them. Yeah. So doing it with other men and like a not burdening your wife with that, because a lot of men do that, like that's their only outlet. Um, yeah, man, we're all craving intimacy and then we just have to be invited into it. Yeah. And and uh, I have a like an anecdotal thing here, story. I with a few other guys, we started a mastermind. It was business mastermind. We're going to, we, we call, have calls every month and quarterly, we travel someplace outside of where we live. We get a kick-ass Airbnb that's huge and ridiculous. And, and we get together and we work. We strategize. We talk about things we've learned in our own groups, in our own circles. We bring them together. We work. We record podcasts. We make content. We we work together. We give each other ideas, bounce things off each other. This time, my business partner and I were there, and everyone was there, just six men. And, be, and the night before we get started, it's like our strategy, like, how's this weekend going to look? It's not the weekend. How's this week going to look? And he said, he goes, all right, we're going to go around the table, 
and everyone's going to share for real what's going on in their life. Hmm. Crickets. I, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Like, seriously, I think I might <laughs> even said that out loud. And everybody's like, uh, and um, the first guy that went, we knew would, would open up. So we opened up. We finally get to the last guy and he is not the guy that wants to share this stuff. Like, it's just like, and he even told me last time, I don't ever want to be on a podcast. I never want to, I, I'm just not putting myself out there. And he even, when it was his term, he even got up and got everybody a beer. Like, you know, he was evading to the max. Well, he came back. We were in another conversation. Hey man, we're not forgetting. It's your turn. And, um, dude, he went through some struggle. It took him some time to get there. Completely, completely changed the outcome of that week, week that we were working. Uh, let, let the guard down, shared something that was happening and took away so much because the men listened, eventually shared stories like, Hey dude, like my story was, you are not alone. <laughs> like that was yeah. all I said. Yes, yes. And yes, you are not alone. And then over the, a lot of more talk happened to that, but that group became so much closer because of that level. And these are manly, manly men, you know, the grunt, all the whole nine yards and it works. It's needed. No matter how guarded you are, it's, it's so incredibly important, man. I love that you got into that men's group and I love the fact that it's driving what you're doing now. It's so exciting. <laughs> so, um, before we forget dad.work, is that correct? They, they yes, nail it. That's, the, that's the URL. It's so weird. I know it's like usually dot Actually, I whatever, really like it. No, no, I really, right? it's, yeah. it's good. Yeah. It's the URL dad.work because it's men's work for dads. And you know, we had the URL available and it's kind of cool. Yeah. And you do groups for men. You basically are passing on what you experience real change through. Yeah. That. And that's, that's the whole idea of this project. Like I've been thinking about this for a couple of years now, since I got over the hurdle of really hating stuff all the time. Um, I just like, it's kind of actually the, the last step in the 12 step program and like Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, is, I don't know the exact thing, but it's basically you can't help but share the message with other people. So you become a sponsor, for example. And what I feel like is this has changed my life so much and so deeply that I can't help but tell other people about it. Mm -hmm. And because it took me years and thousands of dollars and thousands of hours to like sort through this and honestly come very close to making big mistakes when it comes to um, even being alive today. Like that's something that I struggle with um, a couple of times is just thinking like I was so bad for my kids. It's better if I'm just not here. And so like I went from that to now loving life. I love to wake up every day. I'm a good dad now. Most of the time, I'm a great husband most of the time. And like life is just brilliant. And so I wanted to have a way to bring other dads along that journey without the Mack truck that we mentioned before hitting them. So if you are struggling, if you want to know how to become a better dad, if you want to learn how to open your mouth and not start a fight, but actually connect with your wife, like let's go through that because I have looked high and low. I've talked to tons of guys now, and I'm just trying to like be the guide that shows you how you might consider doing this work to heal and grow as a better man, father, and, and husband. So yeah, that's, uh, that's where it's all going, coming from. This episode is brought to you by the men of Alpha Hippie. Alpha Hippie is the premier men's coaching company, helping the men of Brotherhood of Fatherhood step up and be the change they want for themselves and their families. 
Alpha Hippie is for any man who feels like he's struggling to take action in his life or like he's burned a few too many bridges on his rise to the top. If you're the type of guy who spends all his time reading self-help books, trying to meditate, or consuming endless self-improvement YouTube videos, but nothing is quite landing like you think it should, then Alpha Hippie is for you. If you feel stressed, depressed, stuck, lost, or like you're not living up to your full potential, then Alpha Hippie is the answer for you. In the Alpha Hippie program, you will destroy your limiting beliefs, regain control of your life, and start to live with inspiration and motivation. Alpha Hippie is not one of those sign up and forget about it programs. We all know about those. It's not just watching a bunch of videos from a 20-year-old life coach. It's a program built by men for men who are ready to make a change and delivered by men who've gone through this themselves. That is very important. We have lived in the trenches and understand what it takes to rise up and craft a life worth living. If you're ready to stop making excuses and invest for yourself, then head over to brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Again, that's www.brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Yeah, and, and my favorite men who do this work are guys who've been through it, not just stage one, not just mm-hmm. stage two, but three, four, five, six. You talked about, like, I think the span of eight years of work. And you also share in your story how when you moved, I think, believe it was Thailand, you just hit another low and you kind of had to step up what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, that was... That was perhaps my dark night of the soul, if you will, when we moved to Thailand, because I had built around me this structure of doing inner work. And I think we talked about this on our podcast together earlier, where like it's this do, 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 so that you can like crush your inner work goals. Mm -hmm. And you never actually let anything sink in with integration. And so I had built all these great productivity hacks and these habits, and I was feeling okay before we left. Like I was still yelling. I was still not great. And I just thought, you know, let's let's do something crazy. I have been an online entrepreneur for a few years now. We've always wanted to travel and maybe one day. And it was like, well, like we've got the money. I can work wherever. So like, let's just do it now. So we moved to Thailand and man, I can't explain if you've never, if you've never done this before, I can't explain what it feels like to move to another continent and not know like where the grocery store is. Like, yes, we were in like a, a service department for a while. So we could go down to like the, the little restaurant, but like, what about milk? Where am I going to get milk? What about the kids? Where do I get like diapers from? Like, this is so scary. And so it was so much fun, but it also triggered me to no end because all of my habits fell apart because my environment was different. Mm. And so here I am propped up by habits, which just a side note, I think is very important. Even if you're only sort of like doing the habits to get you by, that's necessary to stop you from keep doing worse things so that you actually have the space to do the deep inner work it takes to heal. So here I am being propped up by habits. I stopped doing all of them because I've just moved to Thailand and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And within like a week of being there, I'm yelling at my kids. I'm scaring them. My wife is like, what are you doing? Like, you got to stop this. This is not acceptable. And I'm just like hating myself this whole time because of how I'm acting. And I'm not able to stop myself. I truly felt like I couldn't stop. And so, yeah, I found myself on the floor, this like concrete floor in this apartment in Thailand, no idea what's going on, no idea where I am, completely alone. I was just crying. Like I was on the floor bawling, just fists curled up. Like, honestly, it sounds dramatic, but like pounding the floor with my fists, like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? I am screwing up 
big time. And that was sort of the start of the, the deeper work that I did beyond the habits, beyond like just a surface level meditation, going like whatever it takes, I need to get better because this, I'm going to ruin, I'm going to lose my family. Mm-hmm. You know, and it came to that. We, we traveled more, we moved to a different country as well. Happened again. Okay. So what I'm seeing here is that triggers in the surroundings around me matter a lot because I am all about control. So that helped me understand it was about control. But one of the things my wife said was, if you can't sort this out, like I'm taking the kids back to Canada. And I was like, Ooh, that's, that's something I'm not willing to risk. Like my, I know what it felt like to have a dad who screwed off, who divorced and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not doing this to my family. And it took a bunch of times. I scraped rock bottom like three or four times along this journey, but it was that constant optimism. Somehow there's optimism along this whole journey that like I could get better and I was going to apply all my skills, all my entrepreneurship, all my like hustle to myself. And so like, I honestly feel as though my businesses were okay at this time, not great simply because I put all of my effort into fixing me. And uh, yeah, man, that was sort of the first one in Thailand that really got me aligned to doing this almost, I like to say I almost like work on myself full time because I was so in such dire straits. But the Thailand was the first time that I really hit rock bottom. Yeah. And I think it's super important to share the story of it. It's it's not just do this thing and everything's a trajectory towards success. Yeah. There's yeah it took a long time. Step. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one reason like like for your group unashamedly tell people like, just go do it. <laughs> the guy has <laughs> yeah. done the work and that's so incredibly important. Not only done the work, but uh, succeeded, step back, succeeded, step back. And when you do that success, failure, success, failure, you build in the, the, uh, the, the safety mechanisms for, to not do it again. And, and then we just don't want men to get hit by a Mack truck. We want them up their toe and say, <laughs> exactly mm, that hurts. Who can help me con- make sure I don't stub my toe or do anything else to that nature? Yeah. Well? I mean, the, the risks of not doing anything are a, you could feel the way you feel right now for the rest of your life. And for me, that was unacceptable. Like yeah, I only get the one life problems. like let's yeah. Right. Like you don't want to feel as bad as you currently feel if you're struggling. The other risks are that like you could get divorced. Like, why would your wife put up with this longer than she has to? Because she's also a human being. And that's so terrible. And my heart breaks for men who go through that. But like you doing the work and showing up is the greatest deterrent to your wife not wanting to live with you anymore. It's the greatest deterrent to your kids getting 18, leaving the house and never talking to you again. And if you do the work now and you pass it on to your children, they're not going to be coming up with coping mechanisms to deal with the way that you treated them. So I was scared for a long time. I was like, wow, maybe I screwed my kids up. Maybe they're going to become drug addicts. Maybe they're going to do X, Y, and Z. And I don't worry about that anymore. One, because I've come to terms with the fact that my kids' lives are not mine, which is a whole other topic on of its own. But also, <laughs> like I've sorted out myself enough that I show up for them. I apologize when I need to. I love them. I spend time with them. I talk to them about my own failures and my expectations for them moving forward. So yeah, these are the risks of not doing the work, and I just don't think they're acceptable. So we are doing men's groups. Um, the big thing in 2022 is going to be this sort of mastermind community. And, and I think you'll like this because what I, what I thought about in my head was like, how do I tell guys what this is? Cause there's not a lot out there like this. 
And I got this idea. It's kind of like a gym for fatherhood. And so you come into our community, you you know have a whole group of other men to talk to, you get put in your little squad that you can have men's group meetings with, but then you get to choose. Do I hire a trainer? And maybe that means you come on more of our live calls. Do I do this alone in like the, the cardio room, which means maybe you do like some, some of the courses that are along with it. Maybe you're like, oh, I want to go lift weights. So you had the squat rack, which is like our weekly question and answer call. It's like this anything that comes up in your life as a father, I want you to be able to pull out your phone or open your computer and just have this immediate support, like from whatever could be troubling you so that your kids, your wife, and you don't have to go through life with no support, with nobody looking, challenging, supporting you. So yeah, we're sort of building this gym membership for uh, for dads. I think that's going to be amazing. Yeah, that is, it sounds like a really amazing concept. And a lot of men, I think you would you and I both have this in common is we did all the stuff by ourselves that we could. And that is the slow way. <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't until we tapped into others that we, that, that trajectory went in an exponential growth pattern. And I think that's the, the, the take the key takeaway. And I love that gym membership idea. Like we have all of these things, do the work you need to do when you need to do it. You talk okay. a lot about your wife and your relationship and I'm going to be brutally honest. I get a little pissed when men separate kids from wives. I, I just, and you, you may not see eye to eye to me on this, but I feel like my wife was first. That is a really incredibly, she's more like, look, I love my kids. I would die for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I would die for them. I would die for my wife, but I literally have decided to put my wife first. How do you feel that serving your wife is serving your kids? Or do you feel that way? And vice versa. I agree hundred percent. I'm totally on board with you. And look, I, I am not a, you know, religious person. Uh, I'm not a Christian, but my wife and I went to church before we got married. Uh, we attended a class with a pastor on marriage. And one of the things he said to us was your wife, your partner needs to be your number one human relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's stuck with us because what I see happening with a lot of guys is they put their kids first and then they'll almost play off of each other. And so there's no like solid base for the child to trust. Mom and dad are on different teams. It's easy to be manipulative. Even if the kids aren't trying to be, it just sort of naturally happens. Resentment builds and the kids leave the home and suddenly okay, there's nothing, there's no spark. There's nothing left in the relationship. So a hundred percent, absolutely. Like it sounds weird when kids, when people don't have kids, they're like, oh, how could you say that? Like, what about your kids? And it's like, no, you have to put in the work to build the deep relationship because everything you do to make a better relationship with your wife, your partner is going to be like, it's going to trickle down to your kids. Like they will learn how to treat a woman. They will learn what it looks like to accept love and give love. They will learn like what it takes to survive on their own and then find that person for them, themselves because like I'm not giving them all the attention they need all the time. And like we talk about quality time a lot, which is important for kids, but they have to see that there is this strong, united center of the home. So I believe very strongly in that. And um yeah, we do a lot of work together and we got lucky, man. Like we bonded as university students. We uh, were both sort of hurting at the time. We didn't really know it. You know, we just had childhoods that we look back on now and go like, there's, there's some weird stuff going on there. 
But we somehow did the work together and stayed together, even though I was pushing her away with my actions. Yeah. I give her all the credit for sticking with me. Um, and I'm so grateful for her that we just ended up growing in the same direction. And now, 10 years in, like people talk about the seven year itch or 10 years, you don't really love each other, you know, you gain weight, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, dude, I have never ever been in a better relationship and I have never loved deeper. I've never had better intimacy. Like it's just, it's literally transcendent in some ways, yeah. um, just like beyond my physical form. Like it's so, so good. So yes, but treat your wife, uh, you know, number one in the family, in your life. And um, man, amazing things can come from it no matter how long you've been married. And, and like, look, 25 years and uh, it, we celebrated 25 this summer and it's better than ever every day. Like it's literally, and people say, well, you're lucky. I'm like, no, we have put in the work and her just exactly. as much as me. But a lot of men will come to me and, and they've done this, but you don't understand. My wife cheats. My wife doesn't love me. My life only pays attention to the kids. And I'm, I, this is where I put my foot down and say, look, like you have to take responsibility for your role. And if you're really, really, really far apart and some, Hey, look, sometimes there is mental illness. There is things that happen. And sometimes you're so far gone, like that she's so far gone because you screwed up so, so much. But mm -hmm. the, the thing I say is like, like you want to fix your marriage, draw a circle around yourself and work on everything inside of that circle. Exactly. And exactly. And church too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it, you know, yeah. the answer to being a good parent is being a good spouse. And the answer to being a good spouse is to be a better man. <laughs> like that's, that's oh, literally, literally this entire thing for me is yeah. like when I tell guys and I've used it as like a tagline in some things, it's like to become a better father and to become a better husband, you must first do the work on yourself, which is exactly right. what you just said. And I don't think guys realize the power they have in relationship. And I don't mean power over I mean, power to influence. Mm -hmm. When your relationship is not going as well as you want, consider whether or not you are putting in 50% effort and expecting 50% from your wife, or if you are putting in 100% effort and expecting 100% from her back. I, it was told to me once, most people come into relationship as two Cs. There's a C over here, there's a C over here, and they come together to try to form the full circle. You should both be coming in as O's to create this sort of like infinite loop with one another. And so if you're struggling, look in the mirror, man. Like it's all about you. You could show up today at 100% and love her like you've never loved her. Ravish your wife for the next one month. And if this doesn't get better, well, okay, let's talk after that. But I promise you, you have never, probably never fully stepped into loving her as much as you possibly could yep. and working on yourself at that time. If less you've done that, you don't have any right to say like, oh, it's just her. I have to blame her. It doesn't work. You're just getting lucky. Show up and do the work. Take responsibility. Look at yourself in the mirror and work on yourself before you start complaining. When I, when I was building out frameworks for this stuff, um, we, had, we, we, we built out what was called the 100-100 principle. You come in at a hundred percent. Now, nice. like, look, you, you come in at a hundred percent. It's not 50, it's never 50, 50. Cause that's a losing proposition. You come in at a hundred percent. Your responsibility is a hundred percent. Your responsibility has nothing to do with your spouse. And if they're 50, like you're still a hundred because that's going to come around. It's going to come around. The other one was the pursuit principle. And this is something I think a lot of men forget, dude, how hard did you work when you were dating her to get laid? 
How hard did you work for her to say yes to getting married? How hard did you work on that first date? Just 100% laser focused. What did it take for you to pursue her in a way that she said yes to you? You should work harder than that now. You should be dating your wife. You should be complimenting her. You should be listening to her. You should be serving her. Absolutely fine. She doesn't clean the house. Tough shit. Go serve her and clean the house. I don't care if you're the one that earns the income. Go do it. Because there is amazing things that happen on the other side of that. Sorry. Yes. No, 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 me too, man. I, I think this is so fundamental and vital. And a lot of guys don't put the effort in to be the, be the man of her dreams. Yeah. You no, know, like all women, I read this somewhere, all women want to be in like a romance novel or a romance story, a love story. And so like, what are you doing to show up as a character in that? Are you the man she drifts apart from and finds this like wonderful Casanova? Or are you the man of her dreams? Because you have the power right now to start being that. Find out her love language, start like doing things that make her feel loved and just see how much better your own life gets when your wife feels your love. I just think it's like a, it's a no lose for any man. Oh yeah. And the, you spoke of love language. I love that. That's I didn't even read the book. Just my wife and I did the quiz and yep. like last week and I'm going to be vulnerable here. I told her, Hey, look, remember your love language is this. That's not mine. Like you, like you, I feel separate from you and I see you doing all this effort and I love that, but here's what I need. And I think that's really important as well, but more importantly for me to know hers and just always act in that. But I do, I have, we have come to the point where I'll stop and say, uh, I, here's what I need. What do you need? Like Beautiful. we have to have that communication level where we don't build up resentment. And it's like, cause we are so give and take. If you give, I'll give too. Like, yeah. and, and that's a horrible place to be in, but our human psyche, our human nature is going to go there. And, um, and so we have to put plans in place so that we don't slip. And then when we do, we can pop right back in to where we need to be. And the yeah. only way I can have those conversations with my wife about, Hey, I'm not feeling loved in this area. That's really important for me is because we have built up so much emotional intimacy. And that is only done through intentional work. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think intention is such a good point through all of this work. You must show up intentionally and consciously and not let inertia dictate your life. Because can you imagine being at the end of your life and being like, oh man, I didn't do any of the things I wanted to do. Like what a waste. So show up. And, and just on that, maybe the last piece on relationships, or I'm, I'm happy to keep going if you want to. Um, there are these needs, which you just expressed that you have. And a lot of men are not willing to express those needs because it sucks when they're not met. But when you express a need to your wife because you have established emotional intimacy like you have, it is one of the greatest things. And when you express that need, it might be able to be met. And on the other hand, it might not get met. And this is where a lot of guys struggle. It's like, oh, you didn't meet my need when I told you, well, you're being frigid or you don't love me or blah, blah, blah. And so we have to get to the point in ourselves where we understand that we are the only ones responsible for how we feel, not our wives. We have to be 100% responsible to express those needs and then just drop it. And if we're being honest and if we're not being manipulative, when they are met, it feels so good. And on the flip side of that, 
If you continue to express the needs, if you are giving 100%, you also have to have boundaries around what kind of behavior you will let the other person treat you like. So if your wife continues to not meet you, if you are being... I don't know, emotionally abused, if you want to use that word. If you know things just aren't going good, you have to have that line in the sand that says, I won't let myself be treated like this. Let's go to counseling. Let's get some help. Let's do something so that you don't get walked over in the case that you do give 100% and you don't get it back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because there's this starting place, which is you. And then if there's you get to a certain point, you have to step in. And I have a friend that just went through counseling and it saved his marriage. Right. I mean, and, and he wants to send everybody to counseling now. I'm like, well, like, look, yeah, it's really good that there's definitely areas where you can do work yourself. And that really is where you start is with yourself. And then you evaluate. And the other thing I'd like to say on that is the love language is the one, another advantage of really knowing it is touch is one of mine. So what do I always find myself doing a male? I touch my wife. And I think that that's conveying something to her. She's so much more into acts of service. And so like for me, I have to say, okay, I want to touch her and that's going to give her what she needs. No, I'm going to go clean the counters because that's going to be her touch. Right? So I think we have to, that's the hundred percent. We're putting in a hundred percent. We're also putting in that cognitive work to remember that this isn't us. We're, we're loving because that wouldn't work. Yeah. So yeah, dude, I love your, your take on, um, obviously, cause I agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've been married for 10 years. Uh, in March of this year. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. And so you're just like 33. Yeah. yeah that's incredible. I wish I had all, I, I was going through my troubles at 33. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, I feel very I fortunate. Yeah, that's what I love. I love seeing younger generation get this. And that's a big goal of mine. Get it. And when you're at my point place, you're teaching other men how to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So dad.work, your podcast is dad.work. Um, and I've listened to it. You have amazing guests. And it's 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 definitely a rec- recommendation on my list. I'm subscribed. Um, and Thank I would, you. I'd re- recommend other men do that as well. So uh, your work is is amazing and it's just emerging right now. It's just emerging. And one thing I have to tell you, and maybe other people relate to this, doing that internet work and building the stuff, that's really hard. And that's a skill of yours. So man, I know that this is going to go places because you're building the infrastructure to reach. Hardest part is reaching. And so I look forward to big things. Uh, we're obviously, I, I definitely want to have you on again. I think our guests would love that. And I think we're going to have uh, some collaborative things going forward in my, my hopes. Totally. And I, I really appreciate you coming on today. It means a lot to me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I maybe just dropped the last one, not to be self-serving here, but we have a free 14, we have a free 14 day, better man, better dad email series. And you can just enter your name and email on our homepage, dad.work. And uh, you'll get that sent to you. It's like basically 14 days of pretty long form emails of just everything that has like really, really worked and landed for me. Um, So I would love for more guys to go through that because we've had a lot of good feedback. So otherwise, yeah, listen to the podcast. And again, I would like to have you on as well for the second time. We just recorded. Uh, earlier this morning. Yes. Yes. And I actually subscribed to that email. Um, I'm not Amazing. seeing it, but I did describe, I think it was yesterday. So I love that stuff. And I would recommend like anybody take advantage of those things. They show you what he has in his toolbox. And that's really important to see what somebody's got in their toolbox. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This has been a ton of fun, Scott, man. Thank you yeah. so much Thank for having you. me. Thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. 
Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.